Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. Uh, today's topic, and uh, I say this every week, but it's so true. Uh, we all know what's happening around us. We're all to differing degrees uh, struggling, thriving uh, through various scenarios. I mean, every day is so fluid with, with information, etc. And so today's topic really gives some essential takeaways because it's all about con contentment amid chaos. <laughs> Thanks, Professor Marty. A characteristic of those who are thriving is the ability to be content. What is contentment? So one definition lists it as a state of happiness or satisfaction. Think about that. A state, it's like an emotional, mental, mental state of happiness or satisfaction. So as you were just alluding to, how are we all doing on the contentment meter right now? And I have to be honest, uh, coming in this morning, and Dr. Rowe picked up on this uh, right away, it, there are moments that it is hard to be content. I was just, I mean, be very transparent, I was just grumbling how I turned on the TV last night for the NFL draft and every commercial I I, I just wanted to shut off the TV because I don't want to, I mean, I get it, uh, COVID-19's all around us, but I don't need to be reminded of it. So sorry for my rant there. Oh, um, it doesn't happen a lot, but yeah, I am not a, a good example of contentment right now. Well, it's a unique time in history. It truly is unique. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to encourage us that we can find contentment, and I'm half the time I'm talking to myself in these things too, right? I mean, that we can find contentment regardless of our circumstances, that we can work towards a state of happiness or satisfaction even amidst this pandemic. We can find contentment amidst chaos. But how do we do this? One way is by counting our blessings instead of our worries. And here's the brain science behind why I say this. Your brain likes to look for danger. It likes to look for things that could do it harm so that it can protect you. It's very easy for your brain to go to a place of worry, anxiousness, stress, overwhelmed. This is actually the natural tendency of our brain. And if we don't intentionally and continually manage it, that is the place where it will choose to just dwell. And you will, in concordance, feel pretty miserable. So, however, your brain can be like a toddler walking around with a knife. Your brain needs supervision as well. And this is what our prefrontal cortex, that area behind your forehead, does. It helps process and think through and rationalize. It helps us think through the, and process information. And for right now, most of us can say, most of us, not all of us, there are some people that can't say this, but most of us can say to our brains, look, I have nothing to be afraid of. My family is here in this house. We are healthy. We have enough to eat. We have clean water to drink. We have electricity. We have a warm, dry place to live. We have internet and phones to allow us to connect with the outside world. All in all, we're okay. In fact, all in all, we're doing better than most people who have lived throughout civilization. You and I are more comfortable today than some of the wealthiest people throughout history, right? That is really an important point. I mean, you go back a thousand years, I mean, we are living better than kings. Absolutely. Even in these times with selection of food, home security, safety, um, very, very, very true. I think for me, 
it's just adapting and really trying to embrace the change mm -hmm. that's uh, challenging at times because yeah. the initial reaction is something's changing. I don't know where it's headed. So how do I react? So yeah. But if we really ponder it and think about it, we do not need to fear for our safety or for our lives. And that's what that anxiousness in your your brain is for. It's to make you, to protect you, to make you feel safe when there's danger. Most of us are not in really significant danger. Some of us are, but most of us are not. I have to keep in mind sometimes this podcast goes out to over 50 countries. And so different people are in different circumstances. And we have to be aware that not everybody has clean water right now. Not everybody has a warm, dry place to sleep, but the majority of us do. And so when we can think about those types of things, it's going to make a significant difference in how we feel because our thoughts lead to our feelings. So as we begin to look for things that are going well, as we look for blessings, our brain sends chemicals throughout our body that allow us to calm down and actually feel a state of happiness or satisfaction. And the more often we practice this, the better our brain gets at it. We start building neural connections of gratitude and positive thoughts rather than neural connections of worry and anxiousness. And, and so that, that brings up a really great point. When you think of this period of time, listing out your blessings, because there are always blessings. I mean, I have been able to spend more time with my wife, mm -hmm. been able to see my kids more. Yep. Uh, we've been able to um, cherish some some. some of those uh, moments together. Uh, I've been able to Zoom with uh, good friends. Mm -hmm. And so really I've been able to maybe have a little bit more time to focus on set areas. So there, there are really so many good things if we take the time to reflect on. Absolutely. You know the old folktale about the Native American grandfather observing two wolves fighting with his grandson? So two wolves are fighting and the grandson asks, Grandpa, which one's gonna win? And the grandpa says, whichever one was fed more. You have the capacity to have positive thoughts and negative thoughts. You're capable to, capable to do both. Which will win? Will you have peace and contentment? Or will you have worry and anxiousness? Whichever one you feed more, whichever one you attend to, will be the one that is stronger. So I've mentioned this, you know, in so many of our podcasts, our thoughts lead to our feelings. I'm hearing sirens in the background that are pretty loud, and they've yeah. been going on for quite some time. I, you know, I always try to say a little prayer when I hear sirens. Yeah. So I hope everybody's all right. But anyway, so if you hear them, that's what's going on. Uh, the college is where we're recording is uh, across the street from a major medical center. So. Right, right. So our thoughts lead to our feelings, and you can't have a feeling or emotion without a thought first. Our circumstances do not lead to our feelings. Our thoughts about our circumstances lead to our feelings. So let's let's think this through. <laughs> Every it's, hard, it's hard to right, right. It's hard to concentrate when you have the noise in the background yeah. because your your brain's oh, I wonder about this, I wonder about yeah. that, I wonder about this. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. okay. So think back to a time when you were stuck in traffic. It was moving slowly. Can you recall a time that you were super frustrated by this? You yes. were annoyed and you just wanted to get to your destination as quickly as possible. Can you recall another time you were stuck in traffic? Traffic slowed down, but you weren't so annoyed. Maybe you were listening to a good song on the radio, you rolled down the windows and enjoyed the sunshine, or maybe you were listening to a podcast or NPR and you actually sat in your car in the driveway till the show was ended. You weren't in such a rush. The circumstance was the same, but it was slow traffic. But how you were thinking about it was the only thing that changed. Okay, and that how you thought about it changed how you felt. Let's try another example. Is there a time that you have been annoyed by a child asking question after question after question? 
and another time when you weren't? The circumstance is the exact same. How you think about it impacts how you feel. So it's not the circumstance that causes our feelings, it's our thoughts about the circumstance that causes our feelings. So how are you thinking about this quarantine? I know people who are angry about it. I know people who are feeling a bit guilty for enjoying some aspects of it. The circumstance is the same. We're all in the same circumstance. How we think about it is impacting us. So for our teacher and parent friends listening, I wanna chat for a moment about realistic expectations for your children this time academically, okay? We all know that education is important. We value it. Some of us are very nervous about how we're ever going to get kids back on track, and some of us are not overly concerned about it. I'm going to propose that we consider it this way. Teachers went to college to learn how to teach. It's what we do all day, every day. We're professionals. This is our thing that we put out into the world, right? So we need to manage our expectations for this time. We can't expect parents to be able to work remotely or in an essential area and help several kids to the same amount of education they would get if they were sitting in the classroom with a professional teacher devoted to that all day, every day. We have to keep some semblance of sanity for everybody involved, right? I keep on telling myself absurd times call for absurd amounts of grace, flexibility, and patience. And that's a really great, great uh, thought. I mean, really to take the time and to be reflective and to realize uh, there is so much stuff going on And uh, I know teachers, I mean, teachers, some people think, oh, this online, this e-learning, this virtual learning, well, that's, you know, that's a piece of cake. I know that teachers are putting hours and hours and hours uh, trying to best meet the needs of the students. And then, you know, I'm a parent too, so with three teenagers and, and one younger, uh, one of my kids was up this morning doing diligently doing their homework, one of them sleeping, and their prime optimal learning time is completely opposite. And then you're doing work at, you know, trying to create an office in your house. So yeah, there's a lot of variables. So that's great, great reminder. We have to manage our expectations. And we have to remind ourselves that we're going to be okay. Our kids are going to be okay. No child is going to miss out on the chance to go to college or to have a great job simply because of this pandemic. It's just something we have to get through. So how do we get through it with all of us being as healthy as we can? We know our students as teachers. We know their home situation. Teachers and parents can work together, communicate clearly, have reasonable expectations for during this time period. I'm convinced that some days if a student practices their math facts, They read in a book for 20 minutes or so. They help out in the lawn or they help you with gardening and you discuss nature and do a little environmental science. If they help you cook dinner and do the dishes, that is an excellent, not okay, that is an excellent day of learning. It's just as good as anything they'd get in a classroom. Now, do they do that all day, every day? No, but during this period of time, that's a reasonable expectation for quality learning. We teachers can help kids catch up when they come back to school. We're pros, that's what we do. We know how to do that. And if you don't, contact me. I'll work with you to help you out. So what we can't do is solve families who are tensed, stressed, and at the breaking point. Parents, please don't let a worksheet be the catalyst for a meltdown for your child or for you. It's just not worth it. Be the judge of what's best for your child. Communicate clearly with the teacher and realize that we just have to have grace with each other during this time period. We need to be faithful. It's not summer break. There's still work to be done right? And our kids need to learn the value of being a lifelong learner, regardless of the circumstance or location. We can learn at home, we can learn at school, we can learn on a field trip, we can learn on vacation, we can, we're always learning. But to expect that they're going to get the same education that they would if they were in the classroom all day with a professional educator, 
that's just ludicrous. It's not a reasonable expectation. There's there's so many variables, different environment. All yeah. Yeah. This is the teacher speaking, but uh, I mean, it's reality. You, you just can't have a seamless transition with optimal learning. You, you, you just can't. Right. Um, so, so it's really a give and take on, on both sides. And I think sometimes we have to realize, too, that, look, when we're all f- together face-to-face doing education, it's not perfect then either. Right. <laughs> you no, it's really think good sometimes point. Sometimes we're, we're looking at rose-colored glasses when we were all in the classroom, and we had our days when we were frustrated then, too, right? Mm-hmm. So be faithful. Do your best. Have some fun. Get through this time in a healthy way. And that's a really good expectation for this time period. I do want to point out the difference between contentment and complacency because I talk about Uh, contentment amidst the chaos. I have a couple of my friends that are my ponder friends, and we like to take a topic and just ponder it and discuss it and turn it over and look at it from different angles. And right before this outbreak, my friend and I were discussing the difference between contentment and complacency. How do we be content but not be complacent? So how do we find a state of happiness or satisfaction but not become complacent to just stay in this safe, comfortable place all the time? So I believe, as I ponder this, the key is to be content to be satisfied with what I have while striving to be my best. So continually looking for ways to be faithful and to be my best. Is it possible? Can we be very grateful and satisfied with where we are while still having goals to work toward? And in my mind, I like to think of it as striving gratefully. It's kind of what I keep reframing it as in my mind. So finally, just an encouragement that in addition to being brain friendly and family friendly, this contentment amidst chaos also lines up with God's everlasting word. We can be content amidst the chaos. Think of the Apostle Paul. He was shipwrecked, starved, beaten, and imprisoned. He tells us in Philippians 4, I'm not saying this out of need, for I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. I know how to live humbly. I know how to abound. I am accustomed to any and every situation, to being filled and to being hungry, to having plenty and having need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You and I have that same ability through Christ who gives us strength. You and I have that one thing needful. We have what we truly need. We have the peace that passes all understanding. We can trust that our God is bigger than our circumstances. And as we trust in him and look back on our lives and see how he has always provided, we can trust he will continue to do the same for now and for eternity. We can truly be content amidst the chaos. And I believe that the profound peace that we can feel and exhibit during this time can help others find that same source for peace for them. You know, the, the, the point is, people are watching you, people are watching us and how we react. And last night, you know, with the different advertisements with hope, 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 I just wanted to say, okay, yes, hope, and then connect the dots. Because if you have Christ, and you know he's by your side, and like you said, I mean, going right back to the word, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's comfort and contentment that's been modeled for us. Our goal on Five to Thrive is to equip parents and educators to help young people thrive. So here are five takeaways from today's episode, Contentment Amid Chaos. Uh, Number one, really, really important, count your blessings instead of your worries. Number two, the more we practice counting our blessings, the better our brain gets. Whatever we practice becomes a habit. Number three, just a reminder, our thoughts lead to our feelings. Number four, I love this one. Number four, uh, Dr. Rhoda's quote, 
Absurd times call for absurd amounts of grace, flexibility, and patience. And number five, uh, awareness that there's a difference between contentment and complacency. And when we talk about contentment from a biblical perspective, we've got great examples throughout the Bible. The one mentioned today was from uh, the Apostle Paul. So go ahead and check out Philippians 4. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.